Welcome to a special extended interview edition of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. Last week, Hunter Cates and I sat down with Paul Wizikowski and John Samariva, part of the creative team behind the awesome new Dinosaurs in Space comic book, Rexodus. We only had time to air about half the interview, so we decided to give you the rest of it on what would typically be our week off. One quick note before we jump in, Paul Wizikowski was nice enough to give us a signed copy of the comic book to give away. For your chance to win, all you have to do is review the show on iTunes, or like or follow us on Facebook or Twitter, and share the contest with your friends. Be sure to tune in next week when we announce the winner right here on the show. For full details, click the link in the show notes or visit wsampod.com slash rexodus giveaway. What if dinosaurs didn't go extinct, but actually escaped to the deepest depths of space? And what if a band of these reptilian rebels formed a ragtag posse of space pirates, armed with snappy one-liners and magma-powered rifles? This is the idea behind Rexodus, the new four-issue series from Dark Horse Comics, which can best be described as a cross between Firefly and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, only with, you know, dinosaurs. If you're like me, you probably read Rexodus with both excitement and melancholy. Excitement because, duh, it's about gun-toting space dinosaurs. Melancholy because you'll wonder why this wasn't a Saturday morning cartoon show when you were a kid, and why the universe is so cruel and unjust. Here in our Tulsa Bay studio to talk about Rexodus is the co-creator of the series, Paul Wisikowski. And joining us via Skype from Australia is series penciler, John Samariva. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, so good to be here. Likewise. All right, Paul, as series co-creator, we'll start with you. Rather than the elevator speech, could you give us the San Diego Comic-Con easily digestible speech about what this is about? So, Rexodus is about dinosaurs in space, and uh, we love to say it's as simple as they didn't die, they left. And and so, for us, Rexodus is about this ragtag team of uh, dinosaurs who uh, are traveling around the galaxies and have all these adventures. But all that starts with them leaving the planet. And so, this book, this, this quite literally launching point for our story, is the moment that dinosaurs, as a race, abandon Earth. And what is that like? Why are they leaving? Who gets left behind? Uh, our, our inaugural story is that moment. And so who are your central characters in this? Okay, so we've got Kelvin Ceridian, and he's our hero. He's a dinosaur, um, an Acrocanthosaurus. I can't believe I got that out right. <laughs> uh, I think that's the first time I've ever said that right the first time. Um, but he has got a team, uh, a small team around him, uh, Torque, Thud, Cinder, Newt, and, and those are the dinosaurs that kind of uh, are a part of the ship and the storyline. They uh, have these adventures together. Uh, but then the human component, we have this amazing young woman, Amber Dixon. Uh, she gets caught up in this adventure and has to uh, connect with Kelvin. And um, the, the theme, the thread that we do that with is, is fatherhood and family. They each uh, lose their father or are in the process of losing their father, and they identify with that. And uh, that kind of becomes the, the beginning of them choosing to work to, uh, together. And so then there's other characters, certainly throughout the book. Um, there's Zan, who's this kind of religious leader, uh, kind of running the, the show back on the new planet uh, that dinosaurs have, have landed on and, and colonized. 
Uh, there's his royal enforcers, and there's the, the Arch Chancellor Crag, who is their uh, president or prime minister or king. And um, and then back on Earth, there's a few other com- characters. Um, you know, there's uh, Amber's father, uh, Professor Dixon. He's uh, the leading paleontologist on Earth. And uh, and then there's there's a few other characters like uh, Mr. Crone, who's this uh, oil tycoon type, perfect evil bad guy name by the <laughs> way, Mr. Crone. Crone. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. What you just said, the thing that really struck out at me was the father element. So mm. why don't you tell us a little bit about where this idea came from? So this idea started out as a short story. Um, the genesis of all of this was. I've got two young boys. What would they like? What what kind of stories would they be interested in? And it just kind of got boiled down to, as I was spitballing with a friend one night, um, the very talented Eric Lee, uh, that uh, they love dinosaurs. They love guns. They love space. Uh, those have to be put together somehow. And so we set about doing that. Uh, I wrote kind of this, this story. He Eric illustrated it. And, um, you know, my kids were much, much younger then. This was about six years ago. And so we made it much softer and, you know, a simpler story than what it is today. We've well, had, and I um, hope they haven't outgrown the appeal of dinosaurs No, in no. Space. Not <laughs> so, that you can, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say as a grown man, I have not outgrown the appeal of this, exactly, yeah, this story. Exactly, exactly. The fact that this hasn't been done in this manner just blows me away. We, we researched, and certainly there's other dinosaurs, and there's even dinosaurs equipped with weapons, and but they're always still this beast. There's never really this intellect put into them or this sense of humanity... Uh, humanization of them. And and coming back to fatherhood, that was a big part of uh, why do we care about these dinosaurs? How can we make them uh, likable? And and it was really the, the family component. Now, we are here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And even though that's only about a two-hour drive away from Smallville, Kansas, where Superman's from, <laughs> uh, the heartland is still not really the heart of the comics industry. So how did you take this germ of an idea, this short story of yours, and then turn it into reality? That's a, it's a great question. And uh, the short answer is I surrounded myself with people that, that do this for a living that are much better and much talented, more talented. Did you than just I. happen to know them? Well, okay. So it was in a series of steps. Um, and um, James Farr it deserves so much credit for the development of this story. He took this nugget of an idea uh, and storyline and really helped flesh it out. So James Farr is in Tulsa. Um, he's from here, uh, lives here. And he he is a comic writer. He has several titles under his name, uh, including Zombie uh, with an X, which is he's well known for. Uh, he, we immediately reached out to him about producing the story for this, writing it out um, the next iteration of our story. And then that grew. We I, I connected. I, at the time, I was working at Steelhouse Productions. And so Mark Steele, Kevin Anderson, two bo- uh, incredible creative men, um, loved the idea. They picked it up. Uh, and, and so we had the force of Steelhouse behind us at that point, which they've got a team of creators. And Steelhouse Productions is? Is a post-production production company here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. Uh, but they also have a, a creative development team. And so James Farr was a part of that for a while. Um, and they've got uh, – they're incredible at, at developing ideas. And so – 
Um, that led us to the, uh, the desire to take this idea and flush it out even more. So we reached out to um, Sean Galloway. Uh, it goes by the name Cheeks Galloway. Uh, we'd met him at San Diego Comic-Con. And, and so he had helped develop some of the character art, taking stuff that uh, Eric had drawn and developed and just polishing it up, making it its own, aging it up. This was along the time we were trying to make it less soft, uh, make it a little edgier. And then, and then uh, Sean introduced us to the the great John Samariva, uh, who's on here with us. And and I tell you, John really uh, opened up a lot of doors in terms of connecting us to other amazing artists and 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 just pushing this whole thing to a level that uh, is just unbelievable. Really, really happy with. Thank you. And John, I'm really excited to get you in on this in a second. Before I do, why a comic book? The short version of that is it's the simplest iteration to create uh, an audience with um, as well, opposed to an point, animated show okay. it just takes uh, significantly more time and and team than than what a comic book does and so our goal all along has been to turn this into an intellectual property that's something that's bigger that could live in any medium you know a tv show or feature film but but the idea lends itself to a comic it lends itself to uh the storylines um um and the artists we knew were uh, very, very talented and equipped for the comic space. So at any point in time, was there any intention to do something other than comic or was it always that? We we made a decision very early on that that was the direction we wanted to go, uh, knowing that after that we would expand into other mediums. And so today, now that we've got this comic book out, our goal is to develop more comics, uh, art, uh, more books, but then also to then begin developing it in other mediums. Well, fantastic. Well, that's quite a bit to look forward to. So, John, Paul touched on this a little bit. How did you get involved in this project? It was simple as um, I think James reached out originally with an email, just um, asked me if I was interested in working on a project. And he just, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's usually with this sort of thing, it's a matter of just catching uh, an artist at the right time, right time, right place, all that sort of thing. So I had space and, and I was looking for another project. Normally, you know, I'd be looking for something sort of more in the mainstream and that that sort of thing. But when this project came along, um, I saw Sean's designs and, you know, Sean's an old friend of mine from a long time ago. And as soon as I, you know, saw his name attached, I knew that it was something a little more than just, you know, guys trying to do something and, and not really having something solid behind it. You know, and I, I, knew, I knew that if Sean was involved then. um these guys, you know, probably someone that I could at least, you know, listen to them and, and see what they had. And when I saw those designs first, like straight away, I was just transported to being a kid, you know, watching those old 80s um, Saturday morning cartoons. And I wanted those uh, characters just as toys. I wanted the action figures, you know, hmm. and and that just got me really excited about the, the project. And I just wanted to know more. I mean, I, I was basically sold as soon as I, I saw... You know, I mean, it, it sells itself, doesn't it? The dinosaurs with the guns, you know, and, and just such cool designs. And I, I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'd love to work on this. Well, and I love that you described it as the 80s Saturday morning cartoon, because I think that's the appeal of it beyond just dinosaurs in space. But actually, when you look at it, it feels familiar yeah. and almost nostalgic, yeah. while at the same time being something original. So to that point, what have uh, what has your, been your contributions to this series so far? Basically, I was uh, given the, the script, um, which was already written, and 
um, Sean had designed the the main core group of characters. My contribution was to adapt those into my style, a style that I could work in um, for the comic book. And from there, I you know started penciling the pages. I assembled a team of artists that I wanted to work with, um, people that I thought were going to really give us a, a, a nice, good-looking product. So uh, you know, there are little there are couple of little bumps, I guess, along the way or, or sort of, you know, getting used to the workflow and that sort of thing. And people kind of came and went and that sort of thing. So we ended up with a, a, a bit of a, um, there's quite a lot of different people that worked on the art with me. But um, I think once we settled into our groove on those last uh, two chapters, chapters three and four, um, we really got a, a nice, good, solid team there that, um, you know, we, we, we just flowed really well together, I think. And, and I, you know, those that's just sort of my favorite part of the book, I guess, the second half where you really see that we got into it. Um, that's not to say I don't like the other stuff because I, I, think, I think it all looks brilliant, you know. Mm. Um, it's just nice having that consistency because it, then it's just less of a stress on the art side. You know, you're not sitting there going, oh, I've got to worry about this penciler or, I mean, this inker or, or colorist or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, aside from that, uh, I also, you know, was able to design quite a lot of, um, characters myself. So I, I pretty much designed all the bad guys, I think. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but. <laughs> You're just such a nice guy that that's your dark side eking out. Uh, yeah, that's right. My dark side, I put it all out on the paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just to real quick, just put some, dis- um, uh, context to what he's talking about. There are four chapters in the book, and we produced them as four separate issues. And so the first issue, the first chapter was done by itself. And then months later, we retooled, reset for the next one. And then months later after that, we did three and four together. Now, yeah. the dinosaurs didn't grow beards in the interim or gain weight or get pregnant. <laughs> no. Yes, they had other shows they had to go to. Uh, Funnily enough, yeah. I did, though. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, congratulations. Um, now, John, I know this is a little bit comic book 101, but for our listeners, what exactly does a penciler do? Um, well, literally, it's uh, exactly what it sounds like. You, you pick up a pencil and you, um, you're the guy that puts down that initial first idea down. So... Um, you know, it all it all starts there, and and you're kind of like setting the whole foundation and structure for what the look is going to be for the comic book. So, um, the things that I'm really concentrating on there are the storytelling. You know, how that story is going to flow from panel to panel. Um, you know, trying to keep the characters as consistent as possible so they're recognizable. You know, as you as you go from page to page and that sort of thing. And um, you know, ultimately just having that that vision so that um, you can pass on notes to the inker and the colorist as as needed and get that I don't know nice finished solid look, I suppose. Um, but you know, if you want to boil it down to its most simple thing, it's just drawing with a pencil. But to add, you know, to that, I, as a video guy myself, I would I would I am equate it to being the director of photography of a, of a film yeah. uh, responsible for the framing and the blocking and, and what is the camera seeing? What does the viewer see in each panel? Yeah, um, yeah. You brought so much to that. There's so much in terms of the layout of every panel uh, that you, you see the emotion in their faces. You see the uh, action and the movement in them. I mean, it's, there's so much that you do and brought to the table from a description of what it could be, you know, you you took words of what it could be and actually drew it out uh, in in all of its final positioning and and uh, to do that panel after panel after panel for ninety six pages. I, I, you have a gift. Uh, <laughs> thank, you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. A giant intercontinental group hug. <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And high fives all around. Yes. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, I was I was just saying. You know, it's it's. Um, 
it's it's hard for me to look at it that way, you know, because it's just something that I um, I just do, you know. But I but I, when when you put it like that, of course, it, it really makes me aware of, of the fact that you know you are kind of sitting there and um, you know it's so weird being a, a comic book artist because you're really um, using so many different elements to create those pages. You know, you, you've got the graphic design side of you, which is you know, literally the layout and, and that visual language of going left to right and top to bottom and trying to keep that always consistent so that, you know, I, I hate when um, I'm reading a comic book and if you get lost between those panels, you don't know which one's the next one that you're supposed mm -hmm. to go to. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I always, um, you know, I'm very aware of. But then then you put on your cinematography hat where you're really sitting there and reading the script and you're going, okay, is this going to be from, um, this panel's going to be from Amber's point of view, so I need to have a low angle because she's looking up at these huge dinosaur creatures, you know, and um, you know, it, all, all of that kind of stuff. And I, like, for me, that really gets me excited when I really start thinking about it. It's not just about drawing well anymore, you know, that, that's kind of what, it, uh, when you first start drawing, you want to, you want to do good drawings, you want to learn about anatomy and all that sort of thing, you know, and, and, um, well, once you, once you get very comfortable with your version of drawing, that's when you can really concentrate on the fun stuff, which is the storytelling, you know, and like you said, the camera angles and, mm -hmm. you know, am I going to tilt it here? Am I going to have an upshot? Am I going to have a downshot, a close up, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's sort of, um, at times that's dictated a little bit by, by what's in the script. And I, I do try to stay as faithful as possible always when, when a writer's given me a script. I like to um, collaborate with that writer and, and have that joint sort of vision, you know, so I'm not there kind of trying to put my fingerprints on everything and, and take over or anything like that. It's just more, um, you know, if you've written a close-up here for a reason, then I'll look at it, how it works in, in the context of the story and go for it, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think with this one... You know, we we uh, we definitely I don't know we meshed well with that sort of thing. So that's how you know I really was able to give those expressions and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. So I hope I'm not rambling on there too much. <laughs> if it's either you rambling on or one of us, so it'd rather be. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I don't know. I, I get all excited when I start talking about this and thinking about it because um, that's another part of the, the the whole comic process. You know, we're kind of locked away in this little dungeon and. <laughs> Uh, particularly when I was working on Rexodus, you know, I was working from home at the time, so it was just, you know, me and my little dog sitting there all day and, and just, you know, getting into it. And um, you don't really talk about it, and, you know, it's kind of fun doing this sort of thing, I guess. Well, actually, I am curious about that, since it was just you and your dog. Um, do you act out what you're about to draw, anything like that? Sometimes, yeah. If, if, it's, uh, if it's a particular position that maybe I haven't drawn, I really want to get into that position and sort of feel where the weight is on my legs or, or, or my arms and where they fall and that sort of thing to try and, you know, come up with a, a pose that feels more um, real, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, sometimes when there's a particular very emotional moment or that sort of thing, you know, you, you, you really do try and tap into some experience that you've had and that and get yourself kind of in the mood or maybe, you know, you might listen to a bit of music or something that gets you in the mood or whatever. And, um, you know, that that's what I kind of loved about working on Rexodus as well was that, it, I mean, you had the whole range of different emotions and, and things like that. You know, there was some very sad moments. There was the sort of touching moments where, you know, Amber and Kelvin were kind of um, getting to know each other and, and relating on that level that they both lost their father, you know, and, um, there's also the full on action scenes, you know, which were really fun to work on as well, you know, and, and, and you know, that, so, so I guess 
with that whole range, you're able to tell. And what was it like, you know, uh, doing that, creating those kind of emotions for dinosaurs? I mean, you, if I remember correctly, and this has been years ago, I mean, hadn't drawn a dinosaur <laughs> before, not ours anyways. Yeah, not, not well, definitely not like, you know, these characters, yeah. you know. Um, so, I, I don't know. That, that I think that's kind of been one of the strengths with my style is that I'm able to really um, exaggerate faces and, and convey those emotions. It's something that I really admired about certain artists. When I was growing up and, and reading comic books, there was, um, well, you know, one guy that I can definitely mention is J. Scott Campbell. You know, I, I used to read Gen 13 and he would have these almost Disney style emotions in, in his um, character work. And I love that, you know. Yeah. I, I really always wanted to have that same uh, ability to really convey an emotion in, in the panel with the acting and that sort of thing. And um, so, you know, with the dinosaurs, I just had to figure out how their faces work, I guess, and, and uh, make sure that I gave myself as many elements as possible to work with to, to convey those emotions. So, you know, you do that with eyebrows and mouth shapes and things like that. And obviously, you know, with gestures and the the sort of pose of the character also says you know, that also adds a lot of emotion as well. And um, just using all of that to get it across, I guess. I mean, with with, the, with Amber, it was very easy because mm -hmm. she's a human character and that's what I've drawn my whole life. But getting uh, getting it right with the dinosaurs, it, it was tricky, you know. <laughs> a little it's, different. Uh, those, yeah, yeah you, you, I mean, that, that whole, um, I, I would almost say that it took me this whole entire book to really get comfortable with it. And it's probably not to those last pages that I was going, yeah, I love drawing these guys <laughs> So we drawing that, you know, those other times where I was sitting there cursing myself and probably drew, you know, a, a particular face a hundred different times trying to get it just right, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it was it was a challenge, and it, but it was a lot of fun, and and you know, I um had I enjoyed doing it. So, and I'd say it, it paid off. I mean, that's been some specific feedback I've heard from people that that have read the book that just how much they enjoy the the emotion in the character. Oh, that's great. I've, it's been really satisfying to hear. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Now, John, uh, you mentioned some artists that you admire, and you're a much admired artist in your field. So why don't you tell us about some of the other things you've worked on and are working on, and then the difference between doing established properties and then something new like Rexodus? I, I was thinking about this the other day, how I've kind of, during my career, I've been um, one of the guys that a lot of the companies tend to go to to sort of help, you know, start things off and get there on the on, on the ground level, which means, you know, I, I get to design a lot of characters and that kind of thing, which I sort of do enjoy. Um, so from the beginning, you know, one of the very first projects I worked on was for Dark Horse Comics, which was called Go Boy 7. And, um, you know, they, they were kind of launching this new uh, line of books, which was, you know, to, to sort of aimed at younger audiences and that sort of thing. And Go Boy 7 ended up being the flagship book for that that. Um, that imprint and then um I, i've worked on gemini as well which was a creator-owned project through which we published through image comics and that again i was there from the very beginning designing everything and that was actually a, quite a lot more collaborative because i was a lot more involved with the writer just from the very beginning and um and then i worked on free realms which was a i guess that was more of an established property because that was you know um something that was already a computer game which we we worked on um, so I guess for the most part, that's the, that's kind of the stuff that I've been involved with is, is sort of that, um, you know, launching of, of new things, 
Uh, as established stuff goes, pretty much the main thing that I've been working on most recently is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I've been doing the cover work for IDW. Um, I'm the regular cover artist of the animated series. And what I find with that, I, it's kind of something that I always wanted to avoid because um, not drawing Ninja Turtles, but drawing stuff that's already based on a real style guide because I, I really always hated following model sheets and I always wanted to draw my version and that sort of thing. And I, I guess working on this project, something clicked in my mind where I was able to find something that, I, that was going to satisfy the client and also um, um, satisfy myself, I guess. So I, I'm, I feel like I'm drawing my version of the Ninja Turtles, but it falls within like all the boundaries that, that have been set and everyone seems to be happy with that. So that's a good thing. Hey there, folks. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. But first, I wanted to remind you about our autographed Rexodus giveaway. For your chance to win, click the link in the show notes or visit wsampod.com slash Rexodus giveaway. Good luck. And now back to the interview. All right. So we've talked a little about um, your particular work process. But what's interesting about this is you have never actually personally met Paul. You've talked over uh, email. Yeah. So what's it like working with all these people spanning not just coast to coast, but internationally? And you can both uh, speak to this. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Paul, or do you want me to go? Well, uh, real quick, and then I'll, you know, basically just wanted to point out again that the, the, the story development team is Mark Steele, Kevin Anderson, Eric Lee, James Farr, and myself. And so we would huddle up here in Tulsa as a team and figure out kind of the story. I mean, there's a lot of our development time together to get the script where we wanted it and, and to say what we wanted to say. But in terms of then uh, working with artists, we tried to be very intentional about keeping it to a, a singular voice, so singular point of contact. And so, uh, which is a big reason why, you know, uh, John and I are talking for the first time here <laughs> is, is uh, James, our writer became that for the development of these books. And so uh, anything creative uh, would come primarily through uh, James, uh, and then Eric is an artist as well, and 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 had um, quite a lot to do in the development, but then also had a few roles um, on the art as, once we got going. So um, my my point is is we try to keep it very uh, straightforward, and and there was one point of contact who kind of just owned it, and and then we would huddle up discuss it and then that one person was uh interacting with uh, the various artists whether it be you know john or any of our inkers or colorists uh or letterists yeah so uh, uh what i would say is um for me because i am from australia you know i was born and raised here and, and lived here my whole life and um so for me this is very normal now you know this is this is just the way my whole entire freelance career has been just working over the internet, not really um, meeting the, the people that I actually work with. So from that point of view, it, it was nothing new or different for me. But um, it's really interesting, you know, thank God for the internet. <laughs> you know, it, 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 the, it's just such a, an amazing invention and, and a creation and something that has just completely changed the world. And I kind of came in right when the internet was just sort of booming and, and becoming something that you could use, um, you know, for this sort of work and uh when i when i first started you know when when i was doing my samples and all that sort of thing i always thought i was going to have to take a trip to the states and go to a convention and show my portfolio and send things off by you know in packages and all that sort of thing and um i don't know at, at the same time because i never thought i was ready i would just put my artwork out on the internet for people and 
you know, it kind of all happened like that because the, the right person saw my work and offered me work. And ever since then, I was just always had sort of had an online presence and that has um, made it so that people would offer me work. And, and um, that's kind of how I've always done projects, I suppose. Um, I, I do actually enjoy having some sort of interaction. So it was really nice uh, working with the Steelhouse guys because, um, you know, we were definitely all I – think, I think the thing that really uh, united us all in that way was that we were all so passionate about this project, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so um, it was just really easy to, to sort of geek out and talk about <laughs> things, you know, over emails and, you know, we'd just have a good sort of – I don't know, to and fro with little jokes and that kind of stuff and just do it with, um, with the project. And I th- I, I've definitely felt like they were always very open to any input and, and ideas that I had, had as well. Um, so it was a fun, creative process as well. And I would agree with that completely. I mean, on our end, it was about as easy and exciting to work with you as it was with James, who was sitting across from me. Yeah. Um, just, you know, we'd get a page from you and we'd look at it and just like, you get it. This is exactly what's in our head. It's better than what's in our head. Um, <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> you know, so it's just, you can't yeah, help but get excited. Yeah. It, it was It was a lot of fun seeing it all coming together like that. Now, John, back in the day, uh, golden silver age of comics, it was basically just a bunch of guys in a building smoking cigars and working together. That's Do what you, John does, right? Oh, that's okay. How works, exactly. uh-huh. That's how our podcast is. Do you kind of remiss or regret not being a part of that more romantic age of artists and writers all in one room? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think I think there's definitely um, more of a an energy that you can get when you're in the same room. It's just that instant feedback. I mean, like, you know, we had a one thing that's always been something that I've come up against is the fact that we're just in two different time zones, you know? So yeah. um, everybody over there is kind of wrapping up their day or already at home by the time that I'm starting my day. And that can get a little tricky because there's always a waiting period between um, getting feedback and that sort of thing, you know? So sometimes you, you might miss a day um, just waiting for an approval of something and that sort of thing. I can think of one specific incident with Rexodus where there was uh that we were trying to figure out well I was trying to figure out how the landing gear on the spaceship worked <laughs> and I think we went back and forth a couple of times but I just didn't quite understand what the guys meant I think and and I think if we had been in the same place that's the kind of thing where it would have just been as simple as like do a little, quick little sketch or something and you know you kind of go oh this is how it works but I, I think in the end I don't know because I I look at that now and it's kind of funny because I look at the landing gear and I was going, what the hell was I doing there? You know, I, I gave him these like sort of big um, elephant legs that sort of came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say that was my number one criticism of the entire thing. Oh, like, yeah? I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, well, I I've not had anybody complain about that yet officially, just for the record. But now everyone's going to be looking for That's it. That's going to be the one thing people <laughs> Amazon review us about. You're just asking for trolls exactly. now. That landing gear, though. Yeah, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll change my self-criticism to um, – yeah. I just really hate the way those expressions look. Oh, <laughs> look at those expressions. They're terrible. No, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, what, what I was going to say is that since then, I've actually um, started a studio with a couple of other guys that work here in Sydney as well. And um, so we have this studio environment now. We, we actually, particularly from the outside, we really um, give each other a lot of feedback. And, you know, we're pretty harsh with each other with the critiques and that sort of thing. So it's really keeping us on our toes. And I feel like we're leveling up a lot quicker because of that. And, um, you know, if you can, if you can get that creative environment, it's brilliant to work in, you know, and, 
you, you can kind of feel that with what, what the Steelhouse guys did. You know, they're all there together and they're probably all sitting around kicking ideas around and all that sort of thing, you know, and it's just so much fun being part of that creative process. You know, you build on each other and, and that kind of thing. And um, ideally, you know, if you can do it um, in, in the same time at the same place, then that's great. But unfortunately, those days are kind of gone, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no, because on the flip side, now we get, mo- you know, extremely talented people from across the world who are able to contribute, so. That's true, yeah. Or cheap labor, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll focus on you, the, the super creative Not that version. I was, by the way, but. <laughs> Arguably just as important as the production of something is the marketing of it, and key to that was some very fascinating marketing for Rexodus at San Diego Comic-Con. So, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys did? Oh, man. Well, we've yet to, to kind of see how successful it was. Uh, you know, we're, we're a couple weeks into this. So, uh, aside, numbers aside, uh, the effort a year ago, um, 2014, was to take uh, this big story that we had developed. We, we The art was finished. Uh, we had been shopping it around. We were looking to get it picked up. Uh, we had we had begun a few different conversations, and as as that goes in in L.A. and I guess everywhere is you know everybody likes it. Nobody says no, and so you end up with these half you know measure conversations, um, and so we kind of got fed up with that, where it was just the sense of we're not really getting traction uh, or at least a green light that is an official milestone, right? Uh, And so I kind of took it on myself to just say, well, while that's going, what would it look like if we just did it ourselves? If we self-published this thing, um, what could we do? And, you know, you, you could see a lot of success in, um, in in elements online like Kickstarter and Indiegogo uh, that have their own comic divisions. I mean, there's there's it's quickly becoming um, – a legitimate way of, of building an audience and raising the capital you need. And so, um, anyway, that was, that was my thinking was, all right, so if we did that, what would that look like? And along the way that, uh, included building this nine foot tall suit, uh, of our hero, Kelvin, that could, could get attention. That would just be this magnet for, uh, eyeballs. And, and really the thing about Rexodus which is true for anything that's out there, good or bad. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's great. If nobody sees it, nobody's aware of it. it nobody's going to buy it. All right. So for us, uh, people who see Rexodus, who pick it up, love it. Uh, time and time again, people get it and want it. So the trick is, how do we get him to see us? And so my my thought, the, the thing that I could control was building this big nine foot tall suit. <laughs> and we took him to Comic Con and we walked around outside in, in the 90 degree heat um, for four days. <laughs> well, and, and for a uh... For all intents and purposes, a self-made suit. That thing's pretty legit. How did that come together? Sorry, I just want to interject real quick here. <laughs> when I initially heard that you guys were building this this suit, I mean, I had read at least a couple of the books. I don't know. Uh, when when did the- One and the, two would definitely have been okay. done. We probably were finishing up three and four. Okay. Like, I, I was aware of the Kelvin character. And when you were like, oh, yeah, we're going to build this huge Kelvin, I was just like, <laughs> Man, how is this like if you pull it off it's going to be awesome. But how are you going to pull it off? And it, and you did and it was awesome. And it was it was really fun to watch like as you guys went out to San Diego, there was a sort of a a Rexodus hashtag on Instagram yes. and, and uh so at, at first I was you know I was following it and it was just 
Kelvin at different stops <laughs> along the way. Yeah. And then once you guys finally got to San Diego, it was cool to actually see other people uh, yeah. tagging Kelvin yeah. in their own photos. Yeah. It started to to, to get a, a life of its own, which is what you want. So the first part of that is how do we make it? And that, that comes down to Chris Rose. He's here in Tulsa of Abstractico Studios, uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, I use him a lot to to produce sets, build sets, build prop pieces for a lot of the video projects that I work on. I mean, that's his primary business. Uh, he'd never built a suit before, so this was <laughs> a big first for him and his team. Was there skepticism when you came to them with this? No, no. He was all in from day one. He didn't know how to do it, but he was in. Uh, and so, I mean, he would say that. It's like, the answer to how is just yes. <laughs> 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 and and huge shout out to him. I mean, uh, for our listeners, uh, if you go to, to our Facebook page, which is Rexodus, um, or Operation Rexodus, I think. Um, and so... There's pictures of it there and video clips of of this suit in action. So Chris built it and it's it's legit. I mean, he's he's walking on stilts. He's got these. Chris is the one. Chris inside. is okay. yeah. We, we built he built it to his own uh, anatomy, his own dimensions because we needed the elbows to bend at certain places, the legs to bend, uh, and so. Uh, he was the only one in the office at midnight at 2 a.m., so we <laughs> built it to him. Um, and so he and his guys worked for three or four months um, whenever they had time to, to to do it. And it's amazing. I mean, it, he really nailed it. Everything from, um, you know, so he's on stilts. Uh, he's got um, uh, the the head moves left to right. It's, it's, it's wired so that as he turns his head Kelvin's head turns as their eyes are on servos. So they'll roll left to right. Um, you know, he's got a little camera built in, uh, into the necklace so that he can, uh, see on a monitor inside what's in front of him. Um, yeah. And it's just, I could go on and on and on about it, but it's, it's been, um, an incredible finished product. So now the goal is like, how do we just get in front of more people? I mean, it's so big. It's such a, uh, an, a big effort to, to move him around. Um, we were just looking for any opportunity to, to use him. And so as Chris mentioned, the drive out there uh, became kind of this, the journey to con. We wanted something to talk about to whet people's appetite, to just fill our, our, our Twitter account. And so anywhere we stopped, we would break out the the head <laughs> of Kelvin and just like puppet him into a shot. And so, you know, everything from his first time to in and out. Uh, his, he really likes animal style, by the way. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we found this dinosaur museum in Arizona. And so there's this great shot of him, you know, standing out in front of the, the, the fake dinosaurs that us humans think of. Yeah. Um, not dinosaurian at all. Um, anyway, we just had a lot of fun with him. All right. So the first year was to get attention with Kelvin, and it sounds like you certainly did. And it was to fund the project. Yeah. But you had some good news. Yeah. Along the so way. thankfully, the the Kickstarter effort got interrupted before it launched, um, and and we got kind of the, the the perfect blend of of we got a it got picked up by Dark Horse, and you know they were somebody that we were really excited about. We love what they do, um, and and some of the guys that we've been talking with there, they love Rexodus. So just we were really excited that Dark Horse picked it up and, and, and we didn't have to do the Kickstarter route. You, then you fast forward. So at San Diego Comic-Con last year, literally a week before, Dark Horse and, and Steelhouse and I all got excited and, and agreed that they'd be the ones to release it. 
then it became a matter of just waiting in their queue for it to release, you know. Um, and so that actually was a year later. You fast forward to this year, this San Diego Comic-Con was the first open window that they had in, in their distribution. So it actually sat on, you know, the digital shelf for a year um, and came out uh, July 7th of this year. And I would be derelict in my nerddom if I didn't ask, what was it like just being a part of that environment at San Diego, both as a creator and as a fan? I, I like it much more as a creator. Uh, personally, I enjoy having a thing to talk about and own and focus on. Uh, con is it's overwhelming. And um, as a as a fan, you can see just about anything cultural, you know, any any universal reference, cultural reference you want. Uh, and for me, that's a lot. I mean, there's, there's more out there than I could possibly consume. Um, so it was overwhelming. I really enjoyed finding a thing or to focus on, um, and 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 it being your own is all the better. So so this year it was all about talking about uh, Rexodus, and we actually we did a signing at the Dark Horse booth for an hour, um, and seeing your book on a shelf with with some you know kid that you've never met, you have no idea, he has no idea who you are. Pick it up, look at it, say, "Mommy, I want this." Um, you know, that happened and, and, and to see that it was just this really special moment that, you know, I'll, I'll probably remember for a long time. It's what you get into the business for. <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of getting into the business beyond the story itself, I think the, uh, real happy ending to this is that you operate out of Tulsa, Oklahoma and then Steelhouse as well. And then John, you operate out of Sydney, Australia. Neither one of those are New York or Los Angeles or even Chicago, so what is your advice to that little kid grabbing that comic book who says, I want to do this one day, but I don't live in one of those big cities? What what would you say to that kid as encouragement? Man, John, I'd love to know what you'd say to that. I guess uh, have a very strong vision in your mind, have a very strong goal and just go for it. You know, like there's, we, we don't have those boundaries anymore. Those boundaries don't yeah. exist. You know, we, we um, as I was saying before, we have this wonderful tool, the internet. And that just connects everyone around the world. So if you want to get your stuff out there, there's a way to do it. There's no excuse. And, you know, we put out something that's that's good enough. Once it's at the level, then, um, you know, you'll catch people's eye. You'll catch some attention. And um, that's all you really need to, to worry about, you know, just putting out good work. Put out, put out things that you enjoy yeah. working on. You know, if you have fun with it, that's going to show in the work. And... I think that's all it really takes at the end of the day. I mean, it sounds simple when you boil it down like that, but, you know, there, there's all those cliches if you practice makes perfect and, you know, um, work hard and you'll get to where you want to be and all that sort of thing. And they, they exist for a reason because it's that's the truth, you know. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, excellence is required. I mean, so it's whatever it takes to continue to uh, improve your craft. And, and, and that doesn't end. I don't think – I think some people just – um, need to push themselves harder and just force yourself to draw or to write or to dream today and you get it on paper um, and 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 then make it better tomorrow make it better the next day uh, find people that that uh, do it uh, that, that do what you want to do and surround yourself with them as best you can even if it's online I mean it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. next door I mean you know we go to deviant art and look at, at, at people's work and get excited and inspired by it um, you know there's more ways to surround yourself with creative people than ever before um, but you know uh, I think the biggest thing is being proactive uh, if, if somebody wants to do yeah. something start doing it and you'll get better because you're doing it 
I don't know if you guys are, are aware of that book, The Outliers. Um, it's this book where they talk about this theory of, of um, doing 10,000 hours and that's what you kind of need to do to get really, you know, to be professional at something and, and be at the top of the game sort of thing. And, um, you know, it, it literally just works just the same with, with creative field, you know, whether you want to be a, a writer or artist or director or whatever it is. You know, you're 10,000 hours, that, that, which roughly works out to be about 10 years, you know. So, for me, I started actually, my, I, I made my goal of drawing comic books when I was 15 years old. Um, that was when I decided I want to be a comic book artist. And so, I did all those things. I surrounded myself with the kids at school that were the best artists. You know, and my goal was just to kick their ass. I wanted to draw better than those guys. And then I was looking at comic book artists that I discovered. You know, I was always comparing myself to the, the top guys, you know, and, and it's this impossible, unattainable goal. You know, I look back at some of that stuff and I go, I still can't draw that well, you know. <laughs> and and it's this thing where you push yourself and push yourself, you know. Yeah. And um, eventually, uh, you know, I set myself a goal of, of 10 years. I didn't know about this outlier stuff at all, but I set myself a personal goal that I wanted to, by the time I was 25, I wanted to be drawing comic books professionally. And, you know, I, I got there, I think I was 24 when I had my first published thing. So I did it in nine years, which I don't know. Love it. Two to no, no. Well done. <laughs> but to that point, I, as you were saying, I had that thought as well of, um, People need to push through the thought that they're going to be good immediately, or 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 you know, there's if the, they're not happy or satisfied with what they can do now, that they they may not be good enough. I mean, just pushing through that thought, push, give, forcing yourself to spend more time on it, is so important to getting to that that level, that ten years or that thousand hours, ten thousand hours. It's just. I think people expect to just arrive to success and Rexodus is a testament to you don't, um, you know, even, even working with incredibly talented people, this thing still started six years ago and, and it had a lot of steps that didn't look like progress or didn't feel like progress or didn't feel like a milestone worth celebrating, um, along that route. And, 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 it had we not pushed through any of those moments and just continued to make it the next step good and 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 push for excellence at the next step, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be happy with the finished product. We wouldn't gotten picked up, you know. And, and who knows what's to come? Uh, but we'll approach the next step the same way we did the last six years. We're going to make whatever's next excellent. Well, wonderful uh, advice, gentlemen, and clear it's worked for both of you. Um, I dedicate 10,000 hours to reading comic books, so do, can I anticipate any more adventures of Kelvin in the near future? Oh, the answer is yes, um, because the answer is always yes. Um, what that looks like and the timing of it, um, it wouldn't be clear enough to, to speak to it here, but we are very intent on more comic books and other mediums. Marvelous. Mm. So in the meantime, where can I find Rexodus? So uh, darkhorse.com uh, has it. They, they sell it directly through their own channels, digitally and physically. Um, but it's also been uh, picked up through um, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Any major uh, bookstore is going to have it. If they have a comic section or a manga section, more like than not, they will have uh, Rexodus. And, and to that point, uh, I was in Portland for a job two weeks ago, and uh, I was at Powell's Cities of Books. I mean, it's this massive, It's iconic... the greatest bookstore in the world, <laughs> at least in the country. Yes, no doubt. I mean, and, and you go in there, and you just, you just feel the 
immense cultural icon that it is. It's just amazing. It's like the perfect bookstore. Uh, and and sure enough, they had Rexodus on the counter. Uh, so that for I me was a big was on the counter. Well, they, they had no. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Oh. On the on the manga section, it was it was on their shelf, and uh, so I took a picture of that just just for my own. <laughs> so know. for all of our Portland listeners, go to <laughs> yeah. the house and you'll find Rexodus. And then John, uh, where else can we find your work? Uh, my work, I'm on basically all social media. I'm very active on Instagram, which it's just my last name, Somariva. Um, I use Twitter. I'm John Somariva on there. I have a Facebook art page, which, you know, everybody's welcome to come and join and keep in, uh, in touch with my artwork, if you like, which uh, I think that one's facebook.com slash redjart. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out there. Wonderful. <laughs> and I recommend you do. It's incredible work. You can also see my, my, uh, work on, on the comic book shelves every month on the cover of Ninja Turtles, uh, Amazing Adventures. Well, we're all looking forward to that. Um, gentlemen, we are very <laughs> grateful and honored that you two spoke with us today and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on guys. Thank you very much. A lot of fun. Cheers. Well, that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Check us out online at warstartsatmidnight.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter, The Midweek Memo, packed with recommendations, news about upcoming episodes, and exclusive articles written just for you. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr at WSAMPod. And if you've made it this far into the credits, it's pretty safe to assume you like us. So why don't you stop what you're doing right now and leave us a nice review in iTunes. It'll help us reach new listeners and it'll make you feel awesome. What, that's still not enough incentive? Okay, how about this? A new iTunes review gives you double entries for a chance to win an autographed copy of Rexodus. And for even more bonus entries, like us or follow us on Facebook or Twitter and share this contest with your friends and followers. For full details, visit wsampod.com slash rexodus dash giveaway. Though if you are the trolling type who just is hate listening through this entire show and these credits, you can tell us everything we got wrong at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com or give us a call on that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. Music on this week's show comes from Escondido. Find more at thebandescondido.com. And for our Nashville listeners, you can catch them tonight performing live at Basement East. Tune in next week for our war crimes review of the seminal 80s classic Hunter has somehow never seen, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Thanks for listening. That's all, folks. <laughs>